Hello, this is Janet Gallon welcoming you to Love Letters Live. And today's guest, as it happens, my good luck, is somebody I really want to talk to anyway. Um, it is Sydney Rose, who's the Director of Programming, is that what you said, at Vote.org. And I'm going to ask you in a minute to tell us what that is. But I have to tell you that, you know, sometimes you're lucky. You keep your eyes and your heart open, and just what you need appears in front of you. I've been very concerned about voting these days because I don't know what this means. And um, there it was on my computer screen. So I knew I needed a, 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 what do you, an absentee ballot. I don't know that they call it that anymore. And I signed up through you and got it. And that's how we met. I'm delighted to say that we have met. So yes. tell, tell me just, you know, in as trim a way as you can, what is vote.org? What is your goal in life? What are you trying to do? Yeah, happy to. And first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, this is really important work um, that you're doing, reaching people and um, giving them the information that they need. And that is what Vote.org does as well. So Vote.org is the largest 501c3 nonprofit, nonpartisan voting registration platform in the United States. Oh, so you focus on voter registration. We, voter, we focus on voter registration, but we also, um, our programs are also encompass voter turnout. So um, we run the largest get out the vote campaign, um, which means we not only give people the information that they need to vote, but we also uh, remind them to vote, uh, remind them how to vote. Um, and we focus on making sure that everyone has a voice in our democracy. Okay, so on that subject, I know that I don't stand alone. I've been very nervous this year. I've been very nervous this year about voting. You know, yes. I'm, I can see that I'm a lot older than you are. And I grew up with the definite um, instruction from my grammar school teachers. I mean, like fourth grade, and this is like the late 40s. Yeah, late 40s. Um, that voting is a privilege. And this was just driven home. And then the next piece of information was voting is a duty. It is your duty as a citizen in this country to vote. So that double whammy of a privilege and a duty made it absolutely clear there was no way around it. I had to vote. And as soon as I could, which was at 21 in those days, I, I went to the polls and it was thrilling. It mm -hmm. was just wonderful. I was just, you know, in the middle of a communal effort. It was easy. We took it for granted. And yes. It was easy. And the people running the voting booths were welcoming and sacrificing their time and energy. It's no longer something we can take for granted. I'm, I think I'm nervous. Yes, that's very well put. It is something that we cannot and should not take for granted. Um, but luckily, there are a lot of people working very hard to make sure that even in these, you know, confusing and unprecedented times that you can still vote safely. Um, what our, our position is that democracy is an essential service. And so we are <laughs> trying to make sure that everyone has what they need to be able to vote. And uh, your story personally resonated with me. I find joy in going to the polls and isn't casting it, my ballot. It's a wonderful it's, day, yes. And it's a wonderful little day. badge that said, I voted or yawate. You know, you yes. got it. <clears throat> well, where I live, you got it in English and in Spanish. And yes. Yes, um, it is a wonderful, it is a wonderful experience. It is a wonderful part of voting, um, but that doesn't mean that voting by mail is no less uh, important. Every 
ballot counts, even if but it more is not so, More so right now, because all of a sudden with this coronavirus, I don't see that I'm going to get to walk to the polls and stand, you know, in line with my neighbors and, right. you know, and it, it never even mattered. Nobody, well, you're not allowed to, oh, you're not allowed to campaign for any particular uh, candidate within a hundred feet of a polling place still, right? That's correct. Yes. They taught us that too. It's funny what you remember from the third grade. So I guess that is kind of the reason that everybody has the good grace not to say anything while waiting to vote. You know, everybody knows not to say who you're voting for mm-hmm. or to right. encourage anybody else. Okay. So here's, well, go ahead. So what one thing that, um, we at vote.org are really pushing for is um, not only expanded vote by mail, but also expanded early voting hours. Because um, for some people, voting in person is um, not only a, an enjoyable experience, but for folks, say, with uh, you know visual uh, disabilities, it might be imperative that they vote in person, and voting by mail might not be an option. Uh, How is voting in person better if you have visual disabilities? So voting, um, in-person voting locations always have accommodations for um, folks with disabilities. Also, yep, and also translation services. So the ballot might come in English and Spanish, but for other uh, languages. Somebody somebody would read it to you if you need, oh, how nice. Correct. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, And so in order to make in-person voting still an option, particularly for folks that need it to be an option, um, we're advocating for very much expanded uh, early voting hours so that you can vote at a safe distance. It's no longer you know, necessary to go on the, the day of the election, but we're recommending at least 20 days before the oh, election. You mean really early in calendar? Really early, yes. Where, then where do people go, City Hall or what? There will be designated designated polling places. Uh huh. Still neighborhood, maybe. Yes. Yes. Now you you talk about getting out the vote, and mm-hmm. I know that always there have been people who have traveled to places to drive people to the polls. Yes. And that may be goodbye yesterday. So yes. when when you, you know, I was asked to uh, help by one of the efforts by using my writing experience and writing some, doing some writing to help people get out the vote and convincing people to. Yes. Um, I have friends who are doing postcards to people. How effective do you think that will be? I think it'll be very effective. And I think people like you um, using the skills that you have to make sure you encourage friends, family, and even strangers to vote is very important during this time. What we're seeing a lot um, at vote.org is uh, organizations and groups who traditionally relied on uh, sort of door-to-door tactics, um, you know, face-to-face interaction to get out the vote are switching to um, tactics that are either digital or um, can be executed at a safe distance, like letter writing, like phone banking. And, um, and do you think between the time a person, I mean, I know what people's memory is in general. And do you think that between the time that somebody gets a postcard to say, please remember to go vote and the actual voting day, you think they're going to remember that? Or does that card get put in a corner of a desk? And, and should that card get there optimally right. the day before voting? Right. Um, what I think is key here is rep petition. Oh, so okay. not, no, no one single tactic is going to work for every person. So one of our main 
uh, strategies is to use text messaging um, to help remind voters. Um, I think that if someone received a well-written uh, convincing letter from you, Janet, and then a few days later when they needed to receive or needed to mail back, let's say, their absentee ballot, they received a text message telling them how to do so. I think that's kind of the perfect combination to... Oh, but uh, a text message presupposes a certain population. That is true. That is why we are kind of saturating the tactics. Text messaging is is very effective for many voters, but not who all. Cell phones and who to, right, yes. Correct. So we are also using other tactics. Um, direct mail campaigns is something that I think works very well. Okay. Phone banking, all of those things. You go, um, do you have people go door to door, like leave little reminders at people's front doors? We don't. Um, some of our partner organizations do, uh, oh, but okay. we don't do, we focus on um, on digital tactics. I see. For, um, sometimes uh, sort of, I, I guess I don't know what category to uh, put this in, but we, we you know, uh, print, direct mail, billboards we've used in the past, those things aren't digital tactics, but they're not one-to-one -one, um, interaction. So, so you, you, do feel, you do feel that it will be a fair vote, a fair election with every voice being heard. I think that if um, local election offices uh, take our policy recommendations and make sure that they... Um, so you're you not know. in charge of the whole world, unfortunately. Okay. Unfortunately, Janet, <laughs> yes. Um, but um, we're seeing a lot of people really stepping up in this moment and supporting one another, and that is the, the beautiful silver lining that comes yes. from a chaotic time like this. And I think that um, there are a lot of very well-intentioned people who um, are looking to experts in voting infrastructure um, to help them make the decisions that will be critical. Do, do you think, do you think emotionally, I mean, I would like to think this, do you think that given what we're facing today with our political candidates, I mean, you know, it's, ugh, I'm telling you, campaigning has become such an ugly thing over the last many, many years. It is so awful. And it's, it's just hard to, do you think between that and this coronavirus that is isolating people, do you think that somehow people will rise to the need for a more honorable behavior? I, I always believe the best in people and I think no. vote.org does as well. Um, I think that the one thing that is very clear to me and to our organization is that when more people have a say in their government, the more trust will be in that government and the more effective that government can be. So um, we are a completely nonpartisan platform. We don't care who you vote for, just that you vote. Um, yeah, sure. Very, it's very, very important um, and it benefits everyone when yeah. voters are able to exercise their civic duty and privilege. Okay, I have a question, kind of a historical thing that Great. comes up to today, something I have been seeing on Facebook that I don't like. That is, it, it used to be, well, it used to be really long ago, maybe before you were born, that the results would start coming in way before the polls closed. And people could see early on in the day, if their candidate was way ahead, way ahead, they could just relax and not bother to show up. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's, that's yeah. what happened. And finally, now I think no, they don't get to report till after eight o'clock till everything's closed, right? Right. And I think this year will be even a little bit 
um, different from even sort of that uh, How? Uh, system because uh, with all of the absentee ballots needing to be counted, we anticipate unprecedented number of folks voting by mail. Yeah. Um, some states, uh, and I you know, don't have them off the top of my head, but some states um, will accept an absentee ballot if it was postmarked by election day. So that I means- that was always the truth. Doesn't erupt, yeah. Well, um, different states have different rules um, and that is okay. the sort of confusing part. Uh, one of the largest pieces of our work is um, we, try to gather all the information so that voters in each state knows uh, the rules and are able to, um, you know, not accidentally miss a deadline. Sure. Um, Let me ask you something else on, on the, on the um, topic of not tipping people off what's going on and have them think that they don't need to bother. I've noticed that several times on Facebook, there has been, and I think, I don't know whether it was from Joe Biden or which camp. I think it was from that campaign. And it said, <clears throat> I don't actually remember who did it. We need to know who you're voting for. We need to know who you're voting for. If you're voting for Joe Biden, you know, click here. And I think that's not good. I think for the same reason, I think that to have too much information out there is a discourager at some point. People will think, well, look at all the people voting for my candidate. I can stay home and. Yeah, I am. Um, I can't really speak to that particular campaign. Have you, because have you seen it? I haven't seen that one. Oh. So um, I understand that um, in a data saturated world, campaigns want to know as much information as they can. Um, and I think that is the intent. But I, but, I, but I don't know, it could have been, I mean, one side could post this about right. the other side and get it, you know, okay. Yeah, there's, um, I know I am not intimately familiar with it, but I know that Facebook is um, taking some stands on their political advertising for this particular election. So what are they um, doing? I'm not, sh I'm not sure, oh. um, but they've, uh, they've uh, produced some uh, guidelines. And so I'd be happy to share that with you and your listeners after. Um, okay. After, after well, the also, you know, there is such a thing as holding your cards close to your vest. There's a mm -hmm. benefit to that. Yes. I think. Tell me, I, tell me where you grew up and how you grew up in this whole world of being a person in a democratic society. What was your... Uh, I grew up outside of uh, Boston, Massachusetts, um, in a little town, uh, very close to Salem, the witch town. Um, I've always been interested in uh, the civic space and civic infrastructure. But what, what brought you to that? Uh, I, growing up, uh, my family instilled uh, uh, kind of a joy in giving back to others. And um, by bringing my skills to help people do what they want to do, in this case, voting, um, I feel a tremendous sense of joy and uh, fulfillment. So I've always really liked this work. I've been in the nonprofit space my whole career. Um, kind of at the intersection of technology and social issues. This so is sort of a little farther back, like before you, you've been not with vote.org now for so long, you had told me. Yes. What, um, were, what were you doing before? What was your first job? My, what was my first job? Yeah. Uh, my first job was working for uh, the Children's Aid Society, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, a child welfare agency in New York. Um, for them, I ran their um, 
they had a Saturday program for deaf and hard of hearing children and teens. So I was the assistant director of that program. And I also did a little bit of development work and fundraising. You, you, you signed? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, I mean, okay. So that was, that was, that sounds important. It sounds like everything you've done has been important. How did you, I, well, go ahead. You take, yeah. me, take me up the trail of your work life. I've been very lucky in that every job that I've had has been um, very fulfilling and has taught me a lot. Um, after working with uh, the Children's Aid Society, I got a role with the Harvard Business School Club of New York, helping them, uh, helping to run their social enterprise program. They uh, what, would engage. What is that? Yeah, they would engage uh, Harvard MBAs in a volunteer capacity oh. to work with local nonprofits. And I really enjoyed that work. It was interesting and challenging and um, just, a, just a wonderful role for me. And through that role, I began to realize that a lot of nonprofits are doing tremendous, exceptional work, uh, but they don't have the technology and data. That so they I was going to ask you about how that dovetails because... I yes. also have done a lot, which, you know, a lot of people have over my life with nonprofits. And there was no such thing as technology. There were index cards and a telephone. Yes. Um, and I think that for some nonprofits, um, kind of the level of technology that they use to achieve their mission should vary. I don't think everyone needs to be high tech and, you know, um, just optimizing their, their service delivery for because they can. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that for some organizations, um, having the infrastructure to be able to um, just evaluate their programs effectively, communicate the benefit of their work, um, mm -hmm. and then reach more people uh, in their constituencies is very important. So um, I took on a role, sort of recognizing that, I took on a role uh, with an organization called Datakind. They are a nonprofit as well, and they use um, data science uh, with nonprofits. So it was sort of the next level of technological capacity that they were trying to, uh, you know, create opportunities for, for daily for daily use um, for nonprofits. Yeah, that's to, what I mean. So does yeah. this, does this shift to a lot of very sophisticated and ever changing technology? You know, by the I mean what you see how quickly the new becomes primitive in this life. And does, does this leave the older people out of volunteering more than it should or what? I don't, I don't think so at all. I think that um, a good program uses technology where it can take the work to the next level, but also recognizes the power of people. And there are some uh, core functions um, some sort of uh, knowledge, experience, person-to-person uh, -person capabilities that technology will never replace. And so I think that um, anyone looking to volunteer can be very helpful. And I think um, vote.org in particular walks a really, um, walks a line very wonderfully. Our, um, our tools are very accessible. Um, and we also try to supplement our technology with other voter turnout practices that are less 
require less technical savvy so that we can reach all voters. Yes. Um, it's a question that we ask ourselves all the time. Um, we want to make our tools simple, streamlined, easy to use for everyone, but we know that simply by being, you know, on the internet, we are missing a subset of the population, um, be it folks who have limited broadband access or sure. older sure. Um, folks, but we are intentionally naming that and trying to come up with solutions to reach those uh, So that's, that's the importance of your job, I think, as being a delegator at some point. You have to delegate these responsibilities to local agencies and areas that you say, yes. Yeah, I, I'd say we partner on those yes. things. Okay, um, you know, a lot of local organizations come to us uh, asking for, you know, either use our tools as part of their program. Um, I know a lot of um, some organizations that were previously doing door-to-door -door campaigning are now doing phone banking and they use uh -huh. our tools to help gather their gather the information just as an example. Okay. So that's important today because I mean for a variety of reasons, but you can't go pushing people's doorbells and standing at the door for them to open and you're a foot and a half away. Only if you have a mask. <laughs> and it's it's not so easy to talk through a mask. I mean you can talk, but it's not so understandable. Let yeah. me ask you something. Um I, I just okay, so I had a thought and it just disappeared. It'll come back. Um, yes. Well, so one of the things, you know, I'm about love letters. Mm -hmm. And I know, and have always known somehow, that every one of life's experiences, whether it's a good one or a rotten one, or no matter how private, no matter how just, you know, embarrassing it may seem, whatever it is, every one of life's experiences I have seen has within it the seeds of a love letter. Mm -hmm. So in my experience, nobody says, oh, I don't have one that I would, I, I don't have one at all that I would want to write to anybody. I, one guest said that, by the way, nothing, nothing. She couldn't think of a person she'd want to write a love letter to. Okay, that could happen, I guess. And then in further conversation, she was talking about Brooklyn, New York, where she wanted to move back to Brooklyn because she loves it and it's going on. And she says to me, you know, I could just write a thousand love letters to Brooklyn. And I said, mm -hmm. okay, I rest my case. Let's have one. And she wrote a fabulous love letter. Who would you write a love letter to right now? Uh, I think that's a great question. I think this, this is why we, you know, even over email connected immediately. I think that yeah. um, I share that perspective that um, there is opportunity in every interaction that you have. And oh. uh, we are just, you know, even when things seem challenging, you know, we are lucky or to- In particular. Yes. yes. I mean, and, and okay, so- so, so I would go ahead. The person who has most affected my life is my grandmother. Oh, um, she was a social worker. She was in. Um, she was one of the first class of women to go to Harvard. Uh, wow. She's a brilliant, wonderful human. She uh, lived to be a hundred and two. Oh, and so she she's read, not with us any longer. Not with us oh. anymore. She um, she read a book a week, and she taught me to you know love everyone and is wonderful. Yes, she's wonderful. All right. So this is a very good issue to talk about in terms of love letters. So she's not with us anymore. Mm -hmm. That is to say here on the surf, she's clearly still with you. Thank you. Yes. Now, will you still write this love letter to her? I hope you will. Be I would real be. specific about everything that was important about her that you took in and that you loved and, you know, just 
everything that you see. And then who will you mail it to? Uh, I, I think probably, a love letter needs to be mailed. Yes. Um, and also just a note on that, uh, I think mail is incredibly important and we need to protect the USPS. Oh, I am so scared um, now. Oh, yes. my next one so, is going to be me as the guest talking about the US post office. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I will definitely mail this letter and I will probably mail it to um, my dad, his or her son. Oh, how perfect. Okay. That's what I always actually love to see that yes. you write it to one person. What did you call her? I called her Nan. Nan? Okay. So it's like, dear Nan, I'm writing this to you, but I'm going to mail it to your son, my dad, so he'll know more about what I love. Okay. That's just wonderful. That's just wonderful. So it'll land somewhere in somebody's otherwise dismal pile of mail. Yes, it will. A love letter. And you know, may I just say, indelible ink and good strong paper, because you're going to handwrite it, correct? Yes. Okay. I've been cheating on that a little bit. I'm always pushing people to write by hand because it makes a difference. And, you know, when you, when you send, when somebody gets a letter from you, they are touching something that has felt the touch of your hand. Yes. So it's like a caress across time and nobody wants the touch of your hand these days. Right. They don't want you to be more than six feet near them. They don't want to have anything to do with your hand. Right. So I'm kind of cheating and I'm doing it on word processor so I don't have to have my hand all over it. I'm still signing it in my own handwriting. Yes. That's so there's proof and you be sure to put the date. I will. And um, how wonderful, you know, this is going to be found for generations. These letters last forever. Have you ever yes. found old letters in your life? Uh, I am thinking. I I keep almost every card that anyone has ever okay. sent me. So not not letters quite, yeah. but um, I'm trying to think if I found an, an old letter. I'm sure. Well, someday um, these will be old cards that you'll find. So yeah. yeah. Yep. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm sure that uh, my parents have letters from my grandparents. So. Oh, gosh, what a treasure trove. I hope you get to yes. see those someday. Yes, me too. You know, because whatever you write, and in particular with a grandmother who was so illustrious in so many ways, what you write is your own history documented in your own hand. And when you get right down to it, our most accurate history is letters. Yes. Don't you think? Cool. Yes, oh. I agree. Thank you for doing this with me. I'm so glad that I learned more about vote.org. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. Can we just tell people to get in touch with you if they need an absentee ballot or if they yeah. have questions? Yes, absolutely. So um, if you need to request an absentee ballot, you can visit www.vote.org. Um, one of our tools is a tool to help people request an absentee ballot. And if you have any trouble at all, you can definitely get in touch with me. Um, my name is Sydney, and so my email is sydney at vote.org. you got to spell Sydney because, you know, if you're one letter That's off, right. it's a heartless world. That's true. Yes, Sydney, like Australia, S-Y-D-N-E-Y. At? At vote.org. Okay. Vote.org. Thank you, dear. We'll be in touch, I know, for other things in life, and I want to thank you for doing this with me. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Janet. This has you've, you've, been really fun. You've explained a lot. I'm very happy about this. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye, Annie.